Welcome to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. Today we've got an amazing message of hope and healing just for you. God's Word never returns to Him void, so let this message sink deep into your heart so that you can walk out your complete healing journey today. Hey, good morning everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, my name is Mike Hesh. I'm with Healing Journeys Today. And uh, uh, let's just get into it, okay? Um, I'm picking up on a topic that uh, I began a few weeks ago, and the topic being uh, how God, how the Spirit of God uh, helps us in decision-making. And, um, you know, we focused on kind of, uh, you know, how we see in the Scriptures how people are hearing from the Spirit. We've related it to us. We've talked about, you know, what started this off was... uh, you know, uh, a lot of questions about, you know, can the Spirit lead me in what to eat, or or uh, would God tell me what to eat? And so those are all good, very good questions. And we've been looking at the Word and seeing how that Spirit leads and guides us, not specifically about what to eat or not to eat, whether to go to the doctor or not go to the doctor. But what we've been talking about is looking at examples of how we recognize how the Spirit leads us individually. And I think that's the most important point, is uh, seeing how the Spirit of God leads us individually. So we've been looking at that precept or that principle uh, along the way and uh, trying to uh, see from the Word. So today I want to pick up and look at hindrances to hearing the Spirit. What, What is it if the Spirit is living in us, dwelling in us, communicating with us, then why is it that sometimes we don't hear uh, what the Spirit, you know, is saying to us? And uh, so, you know, I think that's important that we um, look at that, those hindrances, because, you know, I learn, I learn from doing things wrong. So uh, God included in His Word examples of where people missed it where people sinned, where people did things wrong, but not for us to give us an example of how to sin or or how to do things wrong, but actually uh, to show us, hey, this is where they missed the mark. This is how you can avoid that. So if we can look at it and see some of those examples, then that's going to allow us to discern more clearly what the Spirit is actually speaking to us. And uh, that's awesome, if, if you ask me. That's like beautiful. And so, um, so where we go, we're just going to dive right into it here. I want to pick up on, uh, in, I believe it's Mark chapter six and let me flip there real, uh, slowly. And, um, so in Mark chapter six, um, the, you know, this, uh, Jesus had just fed the 5,000 of which the disciples were an important part of. In other words, when God looked at, when Jesus looked up to God and he blessed the bread and uh, he handed it out to the disciples, much of the multiplication for that bread occurred in the disciples' hands. And we're not sure whether that continued on down the line, but the, the point I want to make is that they were experiencing a miracle. Their hands were physically involved in uh, seeing a miracle happen in their life. And, uh, and even at the end of that feeding of the 5,000, 
Uh, can you imagine? Put yourself in their shoes, how they just had a handful of stuff they're handing out and their hand never gets empty as they're passing it out. And then, you know, they might just, you know, think, wow, this is strange. But at the very end, Jesus said, hey, that nothing be wasted. I want you to go pick up all the leftovers. And that's what they did. They got five baskets full of leftovers. Now put yourself in the disciples' shoes. There, there's 12 baskets full. That means each one is carrying a basket with them that is a testimony of the miracle that they saw. Okay? Now, at the end of that, uh, it, you know, Jesus says, hey, I want you to go in the boat and go, you know, take off, go this way. And so that's exactly what they did. They took off and they headed in that direction. So I'm going to pick up reading there and we're going to see here some very good points. It says, uh, and when even was come, I'm in verse 47 of Mark chapter 6. And when, uh, let's see, uh, verse 46, when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. Now, you know, I think this is noteworthy. The disciples could have just turned around and went back to the shore and said, hey, man, the wind's too strong. We'll wait till the wind dies down. And by then, maybe Jesus will be done wherever he, you know, went to. Maybe he'll be back to the shore and then we can all go together. But you have to credit them that they did exactly what Jesus told them to do, and they just stuck with it, even though they were, everything was blowing, literally, against them. Now, you, you got to give them credit for uh, taking the word of our Savior serious enough to where they said, hey, look, Jesus said, go, and they went. And I think that's awesome. So it's not that their hearts were against Jesus. They were all for following Jesus. But there's another point here that we're going to see. In verse 49, it says, But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed that it had been a spirit and cried out. In other words, they were freaking out, you know, in our days, in our terms. It says, For they all saw him and were troubled. I'm telling you, folks, put yourself in their shoes. What would you do if you're struggling at night to get your boat uh, docked across, uh, you know, a sea that's probably just choppy as can be with all the wind, uh, you know, stirring up the waves, and you're focused on that, and then you look out and you see somebody walking on the water? What would you do? Okay, now, it's important that we consider this. You know, we're... the. The Word instructs us to like put ourselves in those people's shoes, to look at it for what God is relating it to us. And it's beneficial if we put ourselves in that place. It goes on to say, And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up into them, uh, went unto them, and went into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. 
Now that you have to ask that question, would, would you be that like blown away? Now there's some, there's an important point here. Listen, it says, for they considered not the miracle of the lows for their heart was hardened. Okay. Now what was their heart hardened against? That's what we're talking about. Was it hardened against Jesus? No, it was not. What was it hardened against? It was hardened against the Spirit of God communicating to them. See, the Spirit would never have ministered fear to them concerning Jesus walking on the water. If anything, it would have ministered, wow, here comes the Savior. And they would have like, wow, it's Jesus. And they would have been happy. And they also would not have been surprised had they considered the loaves. I painted that picture in the beginning of them being involved in the miracle to show that, you know, they had not really uh, grasped or meditated on or sown into their heart the greatness of that miracle. Okay? In other words, it was just like, oh yeah, you know, he fed the 5,000. No. If they had taken it for the power that was in that, it would not have surprised them that Jesus was walking on the water. That If anything, they would have said, wow, I wonder what we're going to see now, you know, or what's going to happen tomorrow. But see, their hearts, they were amazed. See, they didn't put the previous miracle that they were involved in, they didn't add it to what they were seeing. Now, see, that can happen to us and hinder us from hearing the Spirit. See, we might be in a really tight situation. Let's just take, for example, a financial situation. And we know that God has blessed us over and over and over again, and, and we see His hand working in our life. But now we get this unexpected bill for thousands of dollars that we had no idea or you know, we had a, a car breakdown and it's, you know, the repair bills, thousands of dollars. And, and you know, we're panicking and we're, we're like, whoa, how am I ever going to pay that? Instead of hearing what the Spirit is ministering unto us. See, we're allowing the circumstance to speak louder than what the Spirit of God is speaking to us. Uh, you know, we're all guilty of that. And, you know, that's why I shared in one of the previous lessons about Elijah you know, going to Sinai and, you know, being in that cave and he saw the, he saw the, the earthquake, he saw the wind rend the rocks, he saw the fire, but none of it moved him. He knew that God wasn't in that, but he heard a small, still voice deep down in his heart saying, hey, Elijah, what are you doing here? And that's how our father speaks to us through his spirit. It's that small, still voice. But if we're focused on the, the earthquake or the fire or the, or the wind or, or, or our repair bill or, you know, whatever, a symptom in our body, and we're focused in on that, that's going to hinder us from hearing, the number one, what the Spirit of God is saying to us because we're going to be trying to figure out what we need to do. You know, the disciples could have, you know, picture this. They're on the boat. They're rowing hard, probably, 
you know, maybe half of them have these oars and they're trying to row in the water. And now they see Jesus. They're probably now have their oar up ready to whack what's ever out there, you know, instead of like, hey, wow, the rescue is here. Uh, think about that for a minute. Is that how we respond when we're challenged? If we do, that's going to, I mean, if we're like defensive, that's going to hinder us from hearing what the Spirit has to say. I think that's an awesome point here. And, and our fathers ministered this to me, you know, many times, uh, reminded me that, hey, wait a minute, think about the things that he has done in my life. You know, he's, I can't tell you, I, you know, I've been challenged by sickness and disease many times. And I'm constantly reminded of, you know what? Uh, I was healed of cancer. You know, uh, I struggled with trying to do it my way and get delivered for eight years and, and all thinking that I was doing it God's way and, you know, praising God and quoting scriptures all that along the way. But I discovered that wasn't the way. That, that was my efforts. And so I remind myself, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, you have a symptom. Yeah, that's a dart of the enemy. That's not something you have to worry about. Your father has given you power over all the power of the enemy. Don't accept that dart. Pull it out in the name of Jesus and move on. You know, so I use that as an encouragement. And that's what I believe this has been included for us. It's not to make fun of the disciples or to say, look at those guys. You know, they just saw that miracle and now look at them. You know, they what a bunch of forgetful hearers. Nope. Uh, that's not the purpose of that. It's for us to look at ourselves and say, wow, have I been hindered in the same way? Have I forgotten the goodness of my father in my life? Yeah, we have, and we do. But this should this is also how the Spirit will bring to us. You know, we also talked about this in the previous study, how the Spirit uh, speaks to us. This is one way the Spirit would speak to you. If you're in the situation where you've forgotten the goodness of God or, or you've let go of what He's been doing in your life, what's going to happen? He's not going to condemn you. You know what He might do? He might bring to your remembrance uh, this passage. And why? To like, you know, have another story to read? No, to remind you of the principles that are being shared here, the truths that I'm communicating to you from this Word of God. Amen? And it's edifying and it's uh, a benefit uh, to us. Amen? So uh, also, let's look at this. Uh, uh, while we're, let's see, in the same, in chapter 7, across the page here. In chapter 7, listen to this. Jesus is speaking to uh, the disciples and, uh, and the Pharisees, apparently. It says, and uh, yes, and the Pharisees. And he says, then the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? We could camp there for a little while. How about all this silliness that, that we're involved with now in this day and age? People are saying the same thing. Oh, you got to wash your hands. You know, uh, and you can't go anywhere without seeing this uh bottle of hand uh, sanitizer, you know, and people are like, the hand sanitizer is over there. It's like, I don't need that. You know, what, what do I need that for? I, I just washed my hands or I just this or, you know, it's silliness. And 
that has become part of the traditions of men, even in our culture today, in our today. I mean, I'm talking about today. Listen to what Jesus says about that. He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. You know, a hypocrite is one who says one thing with their mouth, but they don't really don't believe it in their heart. They're doing something different in their heart. Uh, the, the word hypocrite literally is, means an actor. Uh, and I'll let you do with that with what you want. And uh, he says, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Wow. Howbeit in vain they do worship me, teaching doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, as washing of pots, cups, and many other such like things do you. And he said unto them, And full well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your own tradition. Think about that for a second. You know, we do that. You know, I almost died because I was following the traditions that I had learned in church, the doctrines I had learned in church, and they were deadly to my heart. See, but I was following them because I thought they were the right thing to do. Why do you think these Pharisees and these scribes brought up this thing about uh, washed hands? Because they themselves believed it. Where did they learn it? They were taught it also. They never stopped to question it. Why? Because they looked at the people that were teaching the lesson instead of what the Word actually said. And what did it do? Well, they were bound by the same tradition their fathers and their teachers were bound by. Me too. I'm guilty. I was bound by that same thinking. You know, I thought, wow, my pastor has been studying the Word for 40 years. How could he be wrong? I don't have to double check what he's teaching or, you know, God speaks directly to him. I've seen things happen in his life. Well, could that could my pastor be wrong? Well, he was. He, doesn't, he didn't intentionally mislead me, but he was teaching me what he had been taught and what he believed was true. Now, somewhere eventually down the line, uh, there's going to be a breakdown uh, and a departure from the Word of God if you're just passing things down without being led by the Spirit of truth. Amen? And so we can be hindered from hearing what the Spirit is saying to us. Why? Because our mind is, you know, it's like the old saying, don't bother me with the truth. My mind's already made up. See, we've believed something that we think is true, but it's not true. And how can we tell? Well, how we're feeling, how we're responding. You know, these scribes and Pharisees are on the defense. You know, they weren't saying, hey, uh, Jesus, I noticed that you and your disciples don't wash your hands. We've been taught something different. Can you share with me from the Word uh, why you're, you uh, feel like that's not something necessary to do? No. They were against him because any... This is, listen carefully. Many times we are ministering to other people things that we believe 
not because we know they're true, but because we think if we can persuade that other person to believe them, that's going to validate what we believe. Really? We've all done that. We try and persuade somebody to agree with us. But what's the point in that? You know, what, what benefit is that going to be to us? Right here, zero. None whatsoever, if that's our motive. But when you have the truth, you, you can just share the truth freely because it's not your job to make that truth true. God did that. He's already done that. So when you have the truth, there's a sense of freedom in here, inside of you, where, where you're like, well, I don't have to prove it's true. That's just what the Word says. And you can relate it in that way and walk away. It doesn't matter if somebody disagrees with you. Why? Because you have inside of you the Spirit of God bearing witness that what you have heard from His Word is true. But folks, if we have accepted a standard other than the Word of God, if we have accepted a doctrine that is not of the Word of God, then we may not hear that confirmation or even that uh, the Spirit saying, no, that's not true. That doesn't agree. Uh, we won't hear that. That'll hinder our heart. So the key to overcoming this, just like with the disciples, is we need to meditate in truth. Had the disciples meditated in what uh, Jesus had done over there, and they would have been talking about that as they were rowing, you know, saying, hey guys, do you realize that we were involved in a an, a spectacular miracle that from five loaves and two fishes, we fed all those people. God actually worked through our hands to do that. And wow, Jesus is the Savior of God. There's nothing impossible for him. And they wouldn't have been surprised seeing him walk on the water. They would have been like, hey, we were wondering how you were going to get to us, but we would have never thought of that. But why would that be hard? They wouldn't have marveled. And right here, had the uh, scribes and Pharisees valued the Word of God, they would have had a different approach. They wouldn't have been condemning other people who didn't agree with them. And they were hindering themselves from hearing what Jesus had to say, the voice of the Spirit working through Him. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. How did he do that? Through his spirit that he anointed Jesus with and he indwelt his son with. And Jesus was ministering as the temple of God to them, <clears throat> but they weren't able to hear because they valued a doctrine over <clears throat> uh, the truth of God's word. Now, you might, you know, we can give them the benefit of the doubt, and they say, well, they didn't know Jesus. But, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, they did not know uh, just like the disciples didn't know. Why did the disciples listen to Jesus and say, wow, you are the Christ, <clears throat> the Son of the living God? You know, had they, uh, had they done that, uh, you know, they might have, uh, <clears throat> you know, been open to what he had to share. And so, uh, you know, I just want to in, encourage you that we have to keep our ear open for truth. 
and, uh, and be ready to hear. <clears throat> I need a drink of water. <clears throat> so, anyway, uh, so let's just move on for a second here. Uh, these, um, these men could not hear because they were focusing on uh, a tradition instead of on the truth. Uh, or leaving their heart open to hear what Jesus had to say, even though to them he was a stranger. So we need to do the same thing. Cheers. So we need to do the same thing in in our life. Uh, We need to uh, have our heart open to hear. And we can't be so stuck in... uh, what we think is true, that we can't listen, that we can't hear, you know? And what are we listening for? We're listening for the confirmation of the Spirit. When I, I listen to, I've listened to and continue to listen to many different teachers, but I listen differently. I listen with my heart open to hear what is the Spirit saying. And if something doesn't bear witness with the Spirit, I don't just throw it out. I make a note. I write it down and say, you know what? I'm not sure about that. I'm not going to reject the person uh, until I hear all they have to say, because maybe just that one point they're making, uh, you know, that the Spirit isn't bearing witness to, maybe that's something I uh, that they're off in. But maybe the rest of what they have to say will explain why uh, I'm not getting a witness on this. So we need to listen with that attitude, and we won't be hindered in hearing the Spirit. And that applies to everything. You know, we don't run out and get a, uh, if we're being challenged with a sickness or disease in our body, uh, we don't run out and read a bunch of books and get a bunch of information, search the web, you know, for all this information. Why? Why? Well, is the Spirit leading that? Would the Spirit have us look to the world for a solution to a problem that at its very root is spiritual? No, the Spirit wouldn't lead us to do that. What would lead us to do that in that case? Well, there's many reasons why, but probably the the basest, you know, the lowest fundamental reason would be a fear, a fear of death, a fear if we don't do something, it's going to get worse. Now, the Spirit would never lead us in that. And if that's our motive, it's the more we're researching and looking into the world, the more difficult it's going to become to hear the Spirit. And that's why... You know, in the previous lessons, I ministered those points why it's so important that we are constantly looking back to what does God say about this issue. And that's what the Spirit of God is doing. It's leading us. It's speaking to us saying, what does the Word say? What does the Word say? Or it'll be ministering a scripture to us. If we, keep, if we just go and read it and then go back to our research, we're going to be missing what the Spirit has to say. And none of us want to do that. Let me give you an example. You know, we talk a lot about the children of Israel uh, in the wilderness, and and rightly so. Uh, God uh, devoted much of His Word to it, not for so that we can, you know, make fun of those Israelites and, man, those hard, stiff-necked people, you know. No, that was put there so we would have a mirror to see what we look like when we're doing the very same thing. And uh, so 
when I read this, I, I don't want you to think about them as much as like, how have I been the same way? Have I been going through a wilderness? And has God been ministering to me? And have I been, been uh, afraid and turning away and wanting to go back to uh, you know, uh, what I was into, thinking, ah, oh, this ain't going to work. This God stuff is too difficult. No, 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 no. What we should do is we should take heed to what this is sharing. I'm in Hebrews chapter 3, and I'm going to start reading in verse 7. It says, Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit saith, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. Now, that doesn't mean just one day. That's talking about the period of time that they were in the wilderness. So, in the temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works 40 years. Wow, 40 years. Think about that. For 40 years, they they were into that. And yet they still rebelled and kicked against him. Why? Well, it tells us why here. It says, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. And he says, So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Was God cursing them and saying, You know, you're not going to get into my rest. I'm sick and tired of you people. Nope. What he was saying was, the way they're trying to get into my rest, they're not going to be able to do it. That's what he was saying. You know, I have a a teaching on my website called Entering the Rest of God, which is really closely related uh, to this topic that we're on today about, um, you know, hearing, discerning from the Spirit. And uh, I encourage you to go watch that. It's on my website. It's available as a video and also as an audio teaching. Let me read on, though. It says, he says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Wow. That tells you what a hardened heart is. A hardened heart is one that's stuck in unbelief. Why is a heart stuck in unbelief? Well, we just read two examples. Okay, one is you have doctrines that you believe, but they're not true. So, because they're not true, that puts you in a place of unbelief. Or, you're not meditating in the good that God has already worked in your life, and because of that, you can't, you're like, I don't believe it, you know, when you hear something good, because you think it's beyond, uh, beyond you, or it's not possible for you. Well, that is all comes from unbelief. So, you know, we could just say, to summarize, we could say, wow, Uh, then not hearing from the Spirit of God or being hindered from hearing what the Spirit is saying comes from a place of unbelief in my heart. Well, there's no condemnation in that, but it's good to acknowledge that so you can move away from the unbelief. You know, the reason I received healing was because I finally got, you know, let go of my stubbornness and said, you know what? It's plain and simple. If I haven't received that means I haven't believed. How simple is that? What things soever you desire when you pray, believing you receive. What does that say? It's saying if you're you're praying and asking for something and you haven't received it, it's because you haven't believed. What, God? 
or believed in Jesus? No, you haven't believed what the Word is saying about your situation or your whatever kind of need you're in. Now, to me, at that moment, that was a revelation. I didn't feel condemned as much as I felt finally the truth. And you know, the truth made me free. Once I broke agreement with with that lie that, well, I must be believing because I agree with the Word. Nope. I wasn't believing because I wasn't accepting what the truth said because my circumstances weren't lining up with it. So I was thinking, wow, how could I be healed if I still have symptoms? Well, how could Jesus walk on the water? He was a man. How could he walk on the water? Um, Now, look at the disciples' point of view. They thought he was just like them, just flesh and uh, bone body. And it's like they'd never seen anybody walk on the water. So they're thinking, well, how can he walk on the water? That's impossible. So they didn't even let it enter their mind. And it blew their mind that they saw that happening. They didn't know how to handle that. But as we previously saw, had they thought, wow, if this guy can multiply loaves and fishes, Walking on water is no problem for him. Think about you. If Jesus Christ cleansed you of all of your sin, and now you're, you're eternally sealed, and uh, heaven is your destination when you uh, move out of this world, uh, surely he can take care of uh, any sickness or disease or any challenge from the enemy in your life, if he defeated the devil, if he went to hell for you and took your place and was judged in your place and raised again, then surely anything else is going to be easy for him in your life, if you will believe. That's why we're in the Word. See, the Word gives us an opportunity to change our mind and to begin to believe or choose to believe what God is saying over our past opinions, the doctrines we've had, what we used to think, or what we even currently think. It gives us an opportunity to say, hey, wait a minute, my thoughts aren't in agreement with that, so I'm going to just X out that my thoughts and choose God's thoughts. That's good advice. Listen to what it says. Uh, it goes on to say here, it says, for the gospel, for unto us, was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. See, when we hear the word, we hear the Spirit. This is a hindrance voice. When we hear what the Spirit is saying through the word, we have a choice to mix our faith with that and say, okay, this is what the truth is. I'm choosing that. That's my new paradigm. And that's our faith being mixed with it. Now we're steadfast on what the Word says instead of what we used to think. As long as we stick with the other, that's a hindrance to us hearing the Spirit in the future. The Spirit's always going to be speaking to us, but if we turn a deaf ear at something that the Spirit is saying uh, through the Word, then we're hardening our heart, as I mentioned before, we're hardening our heart, uh, decreasing our sensitivity to what the Spirit is or uh, wants to speak to us. That's important. I mean, that's a a very important point for uh, us to, you know, keep in mind that we're not allowing 
that in our lives. Amen? I wanted to go, we talked a lot about Paul, so turn with me uh, back to Acts. The Lord, I've learned a lot through, uh, uh, you know, following each disciple's life that's written out here. The Lord's taught me much. And this is another area with Paul that we followed, how he was very keen at listening to the Spirit. And uh, this is another good example for us. Just because we've heard the Spirit and we followed the Spirit, we should never depart from those principles that we've learned in hearing from the Spirit, because that, like we just talked about, is going to desensitize us to the Spirit. Nor should we reason out in our mind or justify in our mind a decision that we have made. You know, that's not good for us. Uh, if, if we do that, we're going to be limiting how we hear from the Spirit, and it's going to affect the decisions that we make. So I wanted to pick up on that. You know, we followed how Paul was told in every city that he went into that bonds and afflictions abode him in uh, that city of Jerusalem. Every place he went. And uh, I want to look at why uh, the scriptures show why uh, he got deceived or why he uh, hardened his heart to that voice of the Spirit speaking to him. I do want to pick up, I'm going to read in, let's see here. Uh, You know, he's traveling uh, to get to Jerusalem and he's stopping in all these cities along the way. And I want to I want to re-read uh, this point that we talked about last week. I think that's important. And it says here, in, uh, I'm in Acts chapter 21, and I'm going to uh, read in uh, verse, let's see. Uh, let me start in uh, verse 3. It says, And when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre. For there, was, for there the ship was to unlaid her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul, through the Spirit, that he should not go up to Jerusalem. How clear. The Spirit said, through these men, or these people that came to him, do not go to Jerusalem. How clear is that? That's very, 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 very clear. Now, previously, Paul said that the Spirit was just telling him, hey, look, there's bonds and afflictions in Jerusalem. If you go there, you're going to be afflicted and you're going to be put in bonds. So the Spirit was warning him each step of the way that he, but the closer he got, the more bold that, or I wouldn't say bold, but the, the, uh, the more clear the Spirit was communicating to him because he wasn't listening to the Spirit. That's very comforting to know. You know what it says in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 15? That our Father will show us where we are otherwise minded than He is? You know, Paul wrote that. <laughs> I think that's funny. Uh, but see, he understood that. So God was speaking to him all along the way, But yet, and he even got to the point where he took other people that Paul could see with his eyes, hear with his own ears, uh, 
And what did he do? He spoke through them. And they said, don't go to Jerusalem. But let's read on. Uh, and, and when we had accomplished uh, those days, we departed and went our way. Let's read on down here. And it says in verse uh, 8, it says, And the next day we, were, uh, we that were of Paul's companies departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and abode with him. The same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. What did they prophesy? Probably the same thing, that the other men said, don't go to Jerusalem. And then it says here, uh, And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Think about this. Agabus was known prophet of Paul, of the disciples, of everyone, that he heard from God. He, he prophesied, I think it's in, uh, let me see if does it say here. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's earlier in Acts, uh, maybe 10 or 11, chapter 11, where um, he made a prophecy about a famine and uh, it came to pass. And, and the scriptures say that if someone speaks, thus saith the Lord, and it comes to pass, you can know that that person heard from the Lord. So he has a track record with Paul that this guy and the other uh, disciples there, they knew that Agabus was uh, one who heard from God. And so what is, what's happening here? God sent Agabus to Paul. Stop a minute, okay? He sent Agabus directly to Paul. It didn't just happen that way. It says, there tarried and there came down from Judea a certain prophet. God sent this man. Why? To just, uh, you know, say, oh, okay, there's bonds, but go ahead and go, Paul. No, 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 no. He sent him because Paul was not hearing what the Spirit was saying. We're gonna, I'm just going to finish this and I'm going to show you what hindered Paul from hearing clearly on his own. And when he was come down to us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, thus saith the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Wow, how plain can you get that God sent a messenger and he wrapped up his own hands with Paul's girdle and bound his feet. And he says, whoever owns this girdle, this is what's going to happen to him if they go to Jerusalem. Then listen to this. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. But listen to Paul's response. He didn't say, wow, guys, thanks. You know, the Spirit's been telling me all along, and, and I think he must be not wanting me to go there. But listen to what he says. Then Paul answered, What mean you to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of our Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, they stopped talking to him. They said, Okay, the will of the Lord be done. In other words, they didn't give up on the Lord. 
what they gave up on was trying to persuade him that, you know what, the Lord warned you, uh, and you know uh, how great the Lord is, you know. But consider Paul. Here's one who said, the Lord has delivered me out of every affliction. So he's probably looking at this differently than they. He's probably thinking, oh, wow, the Lord's delivered me out of really bad stuff. He'll deliver me out of this. Instead of thinking, wait a minute, the Lord is trying to deliver me out of that before I get stuck in it. But what did he do? Well, this is where his zeal, uh, where he took uh, what God said and expanded on it and turned it into something that God didn't say. God did never say, call him to die for him, okay? Paul said that. Paul made that decision himself. He decided in and of himself that, you know what? I'll die for the Lord, you know? But uh, that wasn't what God called him to. Listen to what God called him to. Uh, he said, um, he said, I'm going to deliver you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I now send thee to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of God to Satan, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith in me. That's what he called Paul to do, not to die for him. He said, I want you to go and share with this with the people, but don't he didn't call him to die there. Paul added that because of his zeal. He added that there. Now, that's very clear. I invite you to go back over these scriptures from chapter, I'm going to go to uh, chapter 18, but you know, go from chapter 16 to 26, and you're going to see uh, clearly that Paul was hindered from hearing the clarity of the Spirit because of what I'm about to read. In uh, chapter 18, listen to this. Uh, I'm in verse 18. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence to Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. Having shorn his head, he shaved his head in Centria, for he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered in the synagogue. And let's see what it says. And um, anyway, the point I wanted to make here was he had made a vow to go to Jerusalem. And, uh, and in other words, that was his decision. See, he decided that he had to get to Jerusalem. And if you'll go back and read the other scriptures that we covered in the previous lesson, uh, you know, I, I bring all those out. But the point I wanted to emphasize here is that Paul said that he had shaved his head. In other words, what did Paul preach? He preached that the law was done away with, that there was no need to follow the law. But what did he do? He got an idea in his head that he wanted to go to Jerusalem, and then he turned it into a vow. And think about this. Paul was hindered uh, because he made a vow, and he knew that if you make a vow, you shouldn't break it. But here's what he missed, I believe, and the scriptures bear this out, I'm going to point it out, is that what he missed 
was that God even had forgiveness for that. In other words, he didn't have to keep the vow. He could have received forgiveness and said, Father, you know what? Your spirit's been witnessing to me in every city, and I just pray that you would forgive me for making that decision, and I'm going to yield to what your spirit's been telling me. If he had done that, he would have been free. Uh, let me just read this. I know I'm going a little bit longer, but, uh, you know, uh, this is so good. See, if, see, <clears throat> if Paul had remembered, this is kind of putting together everything uh, that I previously said in this study. If Paul had remembered what God taught him about him being the bride of Christ, that Jesus was his head as a husband is the head over the wife. That marriage is a picture of the union between us, his church, and Christ, uh, the head. And um, we're his body. And he said that union, as Jesus quoted from uh, Genesis, that they too shall be one flesh. We too are one flesh with the Lord, and he is our head. He is our husband, okay? Now, if Paul had remembered that, that, wow, I am his husband, then when he remembered the law, he would have remembered this as well, that this applied to him as much as it applied to what I'm about to read. So I'm in uh, Numbers chapter 30, and listen carefully what's being shared here. It says, uh, we can read the whole thing, but I am just want to bring out this one point to show that the Spirit was constantly leading him, and we don't know all that the Spirit was saying to him to lead him to deliverance, but we do know that God was showing him where he was otherwise minded, without usurping Paul's will. In other words, our, the Spirit will never lead you and tell you, you better do this or else, or uh, it's never going to usurp your will. It's not going to physically stop or restrain you from doing anything. That is your choice and your call. And that's beautiful because that is our Father's love towards us that He yields to our free will. Amen? So I'm in uh, Numbers 30. It says, listen carefully, uh, in verse 6 it says, speaking about a woman, it says, and if she had at all an husband when she vowed or uttered aught out of her lips wherewith she bound her soul. Remember Paul said that I go bound in the Spirit? Who bound him in the Spirit? Not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never binds us. It looses us. Okay? And why? Paul bound himself. How? With this vow. If you look up and study about a vow, uh, you'll see that what Paul did was he bound himself with this oath that I'm going to Jerusalem. That's the vow. And he sealed the deal for himself and everyone else by shaving his head. That was his way of separating himself unto that vow. Now listen to what this says here. It says, And if her husband hear it and held her peace in the day that he heard it, then her vow shall stand. Her bonds wherewith she bound her soul shall stand. But if her husband disallowed her on that day, that that he heard, then he shall make her vow which she vowed, and that which she uttered with her lips, 
uh, wherewith she bound her soul of none effect, and the Lord shall forgive her. Wow, that's beautiful. I'll let you read the rest. It's so good uh, that you, it'll make the point. But I want to summarize what we've been talking about here. See, Paul, if he had gone back to the word like the disciples looked back at the loaves that they multiplied in their, that were multiplied in their hands and all that they collected up, if Paul had looked back to the revelation that God had taught him that, hey, we're not under a law anymore, that Jesus bore every sin, even the sin of breaking a vow, then he would have, when he heard that the Spirit speaking to me, would have said, wow, there is a way of escape for me. Uh, you know, that I shouldn't have done that. The Spirit's spoken to me over and over again, so I'm just going to repent. I'm not going to go to Jerusalem. I'm just going to see where the Lord wants me to go from here. By him setting his heart to go, he was stopping him, his own heart from hearing where the Father actually wanted him to go. If we get something in our head that has to be a certain way, and we make a vow or we speak to ourselves, I'm not going to do this until this is done. All the enemy has to do is stop this from getting done over here. And what's going to happen? You'll never fulfill your, your vow. The devil's done that with sickness and disease for people for millennia. You know, if only I could get to this prophet, then I would be healed. Did the Spirit tell you that? Or is that what you're thinking that has to happen in order for you to be set free? I would encourage you not to limit the Spirit in that, especially since the Word of God says that by the stripes of Jesus you were already healed. Don't use that as a limit. Leave your heart open to the Spirit and saying, boy, I'm thinking right now that if I had someone pray over me, then I would receive healing. But I know that God has provided healing for me, and I'm open to any way that he leads me in receiving that. Wouldn't that be a better way? You're, you're keeping your heart and your ears open to hear the Spirit. And that's what it's all about, folks, is leaving our heart yielded to the Spirit. Because when we're a servant to the Spirit, then we're going to be bearing the fruit of righteousness in our life. But if we're yielding ourselves to any other thing, then we're in the bondage of that thing. Well, that's what happened with Paul. He per pronounced a vow over himself. He separated unto himself, fulfilling that vow for the Lord instead of just obeying the Lord. The Lord didn't want him to go there. Are we doing something that we think is for the Lord? And it's creating issues in our life and uh, struggles and we're in strife or we're, and, and we have no rest day nor night. Well, it's a good chance the Lord didn't share that with you. And you're just doing it out of your own zeal or excitement for the Lord. And you're just adding that burden to yourself. Folks, just say, no, time out. Forget it. I'm not going another day that way. Father, forgive me. If Paul would have done that, he would have been free. So I, I think that, uh, you know, these examples our Father has given us uh, from His Word today uh, are awesome. I encourage you to get into the Word, uh, to make a decision to, um, 
you know, receive what he has to say uh, and let him teach you more. Let him, like he did me. I mean, all of these things, uh, the Father quickened to my heart to help me in my journey. And that's what he's wanting to do in your life. So as you go over these, let the Spirit speak to you. Say, Father, I'm open to hear whatever you have to say. And if I if I'm struggling to hear something, I'm going to let go of the hindrance. Whatever it might be I'm thinking or, or feeling is necessary, I'm going to let it go and just choose to receive, Father, what you have for me. And so I want, just want to encourage you. And in fact, I'd love to pray with all of you uh, about this and because uh, I think it would be good for us. Father, in Jesus' name, I do, I pray for all of us that are, that are hearing this message. And Father, that we would make a decision that we would let go of hardness, of unbelief, of our ideas, our opinions, our zeal, that we would let your truth be the loudest voice in our life, that we would choose to hear what the Spirit is saying. And Father, for those of us that have are hindered where we can't see where our blockage is, why we're not hearing from the Spirit. Father, I thank you uh, and I agree with you and I command that that blinder that's on our mind be removed where we can see and hear the Spirit lead us away from that hindrance to the light. And so in Jesus' name, Father, I just uh, pray this over all of us. And amen. So folks, thanks for joining me. Uh, this was an awesome word that our, our Father uh, gave us today. So uh, God bless you. Have an awesome rest of your day. Okay? We hope you got some great nuggets of wisdom out of that teaching. Thank you for listening to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. And don't forget, you can find us live on Facebook and YouTube seven days a week. If you would like to donate, please go to www.healingjourneystoday.com. Isaiah 53.5 says, And by His stripes, we are healed. God bless you.